In my mind, I'm just singing salsa music. I'm thinking of all those trumpets and uh, wind instruments. Anyway, welcome, welcome again. I'm glad that you're here and we'll be gone already. Right? We're going. It's already started. This is 2020. The decade is going. And the, the, the number itself just uh, calls, recalls for me the uh, sharpness of sight, right? right? So I've been telling everybody uh, that I wish them a 2020 year, a 2020 decade, just as if you had 2020 vision. Um, can you imagine just having 2020 vision for the next decade, for the next day, 10 years, that you could see clearly what's ahead of you? Um, I don't mean that, that vision be sharp in your minds. I will admit, though, that I have never enjoyed 2020 vision. Uh, ever since I was a kid, um, I've had to wear glasses. Um, being able to see clearly has not been a given uh, for me because of myopia, nearsightedness. Imagine surfing and you cannot see from afar, right? And your car is in a parking lot, nobody's out there and people are grabbing your stuff and, <laughs> and you're like, what is going on? It does you no good. But vision, vision really implies sight, but not always. It also refers to revelation. Revelation, but not revelation alone, but revelation that leads to faith. And for our Epiphany celebration, today we are going to read in Matthew, in chapter 2, we're only going to read four verses, uh, verses 1 and 2, and verses 11 and 12. If you have um, your Bibles uh, on your phones or in, in the pews, the page numbers um, are on the screen. Now this is a very well-known story, it's been read forever and ever and ever. But still, we discover something new every time. Verse 1 says, In the time of King Herod, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, wise men came from the east, came to Jerusalem, asking, Where is the child who has been born King of the Jews? For we observe this star at its rising, and have come to pay him homage. And verse 11 says, On entering the house, they saw the child with Mary his mother, and they knelt down and paid him homage. And then opening their treasure chests, they offered him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And having been warned in a dream not to, to return to Herod, they left for their own country by another road. Let us pray. Thank you, Father, for this word this morning, and thank you for just motivating us to get out of our homes, get dressed, get here, to have an encounter, to encounter friends, yes, and others that are, we are getting to meet just this morning, but also to encounter you. 
And I pray, Father, then that you continue to speak to us, to continue to lead us in what you have been speaking to us the last year and the last few years as we journey together. May we, Lord, have our hearts open to you. In Jesus we pray. Amen. Now you may be aware of the theme of Epiphany and what it means, and you may not. So I'm going to have to clarify that. Epiphany actually means revelation. So if you didn't know, now you do. Now, um, revelation is understood, and believe me, I had to go to the dictionary for this. I usually do that. It's understood as a surprising or previously unknown fact, especially one that is made known in a dramatic way. And it's also defined uh, in terms of the divine or supernatural disclosure to humans of something relating to human existence or to the world. So there's these two aspects of what Revelation is. One, it's just a discovery, right? But the other one is the aspect had to do with a supernatural disclosure. Something that comes from way beyond. But those of these two definitions are relying on the ability to either discover, as I mentioned, or accept a given fact. Seeing or perceiving is required or at least needed to process revelation. In other words, there has to be an action behind this. It's not just a matter of, oh yeah, look at this, this is coming down for us, oh that's neat. But we need to actually engage that. But there's more. Remember the telling of the revelation of Joseph? Right? We studied this a couple of weeks ago. We were going through that. There was a revelation about the child in Mary's womb. Now, we know that Joseph was going through this process in his mind. What do I do now? Right? What in the world do I do now that I have found that Mary is with child and I didn't know it? What do I do? And he was honest with himself but he was also honest with this girl and she, he wanted to do the right thing for her so he was going through this process and all of a sudden he has a dream and in the dream God speaks to him and speaks to him about the nature of how Mary has come to this place and with this child so there was revelation of specific information that it was required for him to make a decision in his life. And this was a very important decision. I mean, think about it, right? We know about all this story that comes later. So, Joseph's decision was crucial. And here we learn that instead of abandoning him, he takes on a different route because of that revelation that came to him. So he thought about it, right? He says, well, this is interesting. God's speaking. And I wonder, 
of us, how we sometimes have revelations like that. See, he did not only just have a dream and say, oh, that's cool, you know, that's interesting, I I had this word in my head. He acted. And he acted on that previously unknown fact that helped him to formulate a conclusion. And it was all based on that supernatural disclosure. So you see these two aspects of revelation at work in his life. But again, and I ask you, what would you have done if you had a dream? Well, you were struggling with some decision in your life that was really consequential. Would you have just considered it a curiosity or would you have paid attention and mind it? Now, we are told in this story we just read that they were wise guys that came from the East. Uh, I knew you were going to chuckle at that. Um, yeah, I don't know if they were too wise, but they were sort of guys, I think. <laughs> Note that their visit to Israel, to Jerusalem, was based on an observation. A star at its rising. <laughs> you see, this is where modern, modern and postmodern minds are, 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 are just really challenged because our eyes and ears are already sort of molded in a way. Do we pay attention to the stars nowadays? Others than ones from Hollywood? Because, but this is, you know, this is really, really important because I don't know about you, but would I engage in a trip like that just because I saw the star and it's rising? There must have been something else, right? At work here. Was that only an observation or was it a revelation that really spoke to them in a specific way? It's not as if the Lord just showed up and told them, hey, go ahead and move. You need to go to Israel. Actually, they just looked to the skies and saw this star. It was not like if God sent a bunch of angels, right? That song, this hymn of praise to God, and like, like it happened with the shepherds. You remember, right? And that was evident. I mean, it was in your face, right? Hey, something is happening in Bethlehem. You might as well go and see it. It didn't happen with that with them. This was different. I mean, how do you make a decision to take a pilgrimage that would take weeks to engage in a journey that would require all this preparation, right? And stalking and putting things away and saying, okay, we're going to go to his because we think it's the right thing. There is something going on here. 
you know what the logistics of something like that would, would, would be? <laughs> In the organization to bring all these camels and the water and the food? And the, I mean, it takes money, right? We, today, we think of taking trips and we just hop on the car and trust our own credit card and trust the fact that there are gas stations along the way and that we can stop at convenience stores, right? And there's restaurants left and right, except in Kansas. If you've ever taken that trip, <laughs> you know what I mean? see, for us, the previously unknown detail is the background of these wise men. And even though the information that we are given by those who study this stuff may be based on speculation and just investigation and all kinds of different things, I think it's worth considering what they were thinking of. I mean, some writers state that these guys were from what is known today as Iran, from the Perthian Empire, which is basically centered in what used to be Persia at the time. If you look at the history of Iran, the dominant religion at the time was Zoroastrianism. I had to practice that word, and obviously I didn't get it right. Zoroastrianism. And some say that these wise men, or magi, were priests from that, re that religion. In some places they're called kings. But that religion was really heavily invested in astronomy. So obviously, something was piquing their interest. To when they looked in the skies, they were responding to something more than just this curiosity of a star that was really bright. They point, um, these people that study this stuff, they point to legend or a connection to Judaism as their motive to follow the star. Again, we don't really know, but there has to be something that would bring these people to make that decision of taking that journey. And I think that the important fact is that they were looking See, it was not only an observation that they made, but they were looking for something. And obviously, when they see this star on the rise, they say, that's it. You know, when I decided to come to Colorado, there were no stars. Right? How do you discern in the midst of decisions of moving your whole family? How do you discern, determine how is it that you're supposed to move? What is it that you're going to work with as far as a journey? I mean, I, I, can, can you place yourself in that place? When you're making a decision in your life about how do you move 
How do you consider what's ahead? I think that these people had something in their minds. They were expecting something. And that expectation was what really prompted to take that observation in their lives and say, this is it. I better move. When I was considering the fact of going into ministry, you know very well that I was in a place where I was doing my engineering, international traveling, I was doing all this stuff, and I tell you, I was happy. I was happy because I was going to different places almost every month, visiting with friends. I had made relationships for years. And all of a sudden, <laughs> you get this prompting. And you start to think, how am I going to process this? How am I going to verify whether this is for real or I'm just had a bad dream? Or whatever I ate has started to make me think of things. It's interesting that I had started by asking my oldest daughter about moving away from Seattle at the time she was 13. When at 13 years old, you're not thinking about moving anywhere. You have your friends, you have your people, you already have your clique in school, and guess what? She would say, no, Dad. Are my friends, <laughs> right? And I asked Judith, and, and, and she was like, hmm, that was not a good answer. <laughs> Two years later, I prompt him again. And then my daughter says, you know then, I've been thinking about that. And when she said that, then I said, uh-oh. <laughs> I've been thinking about that. You see, I don't think that it was just me. I think that God was working through us. She was thinking about that. At 15, you're thinking about that? Girl, you don't have anything better to do? And she says, wherever I go, I'll make new friends. And that's when I said, okay, check. And then on the other hand, I asked my wife, and she says, yeah, whatever. <laughs> Those were executive words, right? No, I don't think so. She's looking at me like... <laughs> but the fact is that somehow there was not only a sign, but there was a confirmation. And these signs, and you start to put these parts together. And that helps you in the discernment of what you're doing. So in this journey, these men came to this decision, whether it was based on their own understanding, whatever it was, religion or whatever, legend, whatever they had heard in their background, they're coming to a decision at this moment in time, not only because of prompting, but because of confirmation. And I think that speaks to us as far as how we journey through life and how we make decisions in life. And some of these decisions are, I tell you, more important than others. Their interest was 
to go and worship this child. And, you know, that was enough to send them on a journey. They took up all the packing and organizing and preparing and putting money aside and reserving all these gifts to go on that journey. But man, I tell you, they must have acted in some powerful revelation because I would have moved just because. Now action, we know, is inevitable and one acts based on different variables all the time. And you woke up this morning, right? And guess what? You acted. Whether that was just to put the snooze bar on your, <laughs> on your phone saying, give me another 10 minutes, like I do for like half an hour. Or, okay, I'm getting up and I'm going to do my thing. I'm going to get ready. I'm going to, you know, get dressed and go to church. And I tell you this, all action, all of it, is based on faith. We don't think of action this way. We only think of faith in terms of religion. Hmm? But all action is based on faith. When you go and you get in your car, you put your key in it, you're trusting <laughs> that when you turn the key, there's going to be a sound, a particular sound. Right? That you prompt you to take the next action, which is to take the shifter, right? <laughs> and put it either in reverse or in drive and move. But that's all based on faith. Because we do not know if that's for certain going to happen. Even when we get out of our bed, we move our feet over and we are expecting our feet to, ha to handle the weight for us to get up. That's faith. But we don't necessarily think in those terms. We're usually thinking that that's just what you do. Nothing is for sure. But still we take action. And we move. And we, and, and, and we do these things. And sometimes these are awesome things. When I asked Rhonda, you want to go to school? <laughs> right? Guess what? She didn't know what she was saying. <laughs> she said, yeah. <laughs> but we move. Now there's something else that is also inevitable. Sometimes we're going to take action. Sometimes it's based because of our desire. Sometimes it's based because of our faith. Sometimes it's just a matter of the routine that we take. But this is inevitable. Fear is involved. No matter what you do, there's always a level of fear involved. I think of it more than once. I get in the car, I know that I'm moving, but in the back of my mind, 
they call it the reptilian brain, there's always this sense that there's danger out there. When I get on my motorcycle, it's even more. <laughs> right? You better look out. Now you need to be paying attention. Because something can happen. And guess what? There's consequences. Your insurance rate will go up. <laughs> so what's important about these two realities is how you conduct yourself. Right? And the fact that you're going to make, take action no matter what. But also that there's going to be fear involved. You can wake up and get out of bed and again, there's an action right there or you can stay in bed which is another action because of fear of what's going to happen. In the face of revelation you can act or be governed by fear into what I call inaction or into the wrong action. Now Joseph could have followed his own thinking which was an action in itself based on fear for his reputation. Right? And he could have taken the decision of I'm going to move away. I'm going to abandon this girl. But he did not. And the Magi could have considered the option of not setting out on the journey based on the dangers that are in the journey, just the dangers of moving and going on a caravan and doing all these things. They could have stayed back where they belonged. They didn't have to go. But they took a decision. They took action. Maybe the star was not bright enough. <laughs> How do you determine that? They thought it was. Right? But they could have said, you know, maybe it's not. But maybe that little fear in the back of their minds could have said, huh, you know, that could be it. But what if it's another one and we miss it? Doesn't that happen in our lives sometimes? Oh, that fruit, yes, that's beautiful, but maybe the one that's behind it, <laughs> that's the one that is ripe. Should I wait for that one? Or should I look for that one? Or this one? We have another character in the text that we did not read about, but is relevant. And verse 3 tells us that King Herod hears of this new king when they come into town, these magi, and they ask about this new king that has been born. And guess what? King Herod was told to us in verse 3 that he was frightened. His fright leads to devising a plan to eliminate the perceived threat. Right? And you know what the plan was. Right? What was the plan? There were going to be children that were going to be killed. 
think about what can happen when we act out of fear. Think about the consequences. Now, still the Magi push on and they go and find a boy and they give homage and gifts to this boy and then they get another revelation. Right? This time it was not a natural revelation. This time it was not a star. This time it wasn't a matter of calculation of angles and the stars and the brightness. This time the word of God came to them and spoke. They spoke in a dream. So it's not based on technical ability. It's not based on how much they knew or how wise they were. And this time, this message comes, as I describe it, in a divine intervention which says, don't go back the same way. And they take action. And they go back in another route. They don't go back to Herod. And here's Herod. He's nervous. He's right. He's anxious. He's waiting for these guys to come back and report back to him because he's the king. And he's saying, when they come back, we're going to get them. Right? We're going to get them. And that never happens. You see, this is a matter of faith and fear. And how this really is related to a lot of the actions that we take in our lives. It's not as simple as we think. It's not as automatic as we think. Sometimes there is this supernatural intervention in our lives. Sometimes it's a matter of revelation of knowledge that we were not aware of before. But in either case, we need to be paying attention as we journey in our lives. We need to be with our eyes open. I think the big idea here is that as we start this year, no matter what, we need to be aware that we're going to take actions in our lives. Right? This is going to happen. We will act on our resolutions. <laughs> if you're like me, we won't act. <laughs> That's an action in itself, but uh, forget it. <laughs> but sometimes we will act and we will take action on them. And sometimes we will accomplish them. But most of the time, in my own experience, we will fail. Maybe because they're frivolous. Maybe because they're of no importance. It's just a matter of time. Right? Uh, any decisions that we make, and anything that is happening, it's just a matter of time. We'll take those decisions based on X or Y. In some, kind, in some cases, it would be very relevant, and in some, very irrelevant. I just want to tell you one thing. 
God is going to love you anyhow. Whether you lost those 10 pounds that you gained over the Christmas or not. God is still with us. God is going to be there regardless. The question is whether we will respond to the revelation that we get. We will consider God's divine intervention in our lives. Hmm. It also is important to know and acknowledge what we do with the fear that inevitably will be part of our lives and how it does invade us. Sorry, Scott, I'm going to pick on you. <laughs> Some time ago, Scott made a decision to come to this church. Was there fear involved, Scott? That's always the case. But interestingly, if not, we take a step. Maybe it's because we get a sense of something, maybe not. But that was five years ago. So somehow God has worked through Revelation, through Calvin, <laughs> through other circumstances to bring us to Him. Now next week we will be working on more of the consequences, uh, consequences of our actions, whether they're positive or negative, and how to frame those consequences as we walk in this walk of faith in God. Throughout the year, throughout the decade, with whatever situation, whether it's a family situation, work situation, financial situation, whatever happens in our lives, all these decisions come to a place. And what I pray for is that God may provide vision to us. 2020 vision. You got it? You got it? I worked on that for a long time too. The vision that we need to act faithfully. To work things out with Him in mind. Let us pray. Father, we thank You again for this text that You have showed us today. And we thank You again for